Welcome to the June 29th, 2023 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. First on today's podcast, new evidence on the critical role of hepcidin, the master regulator of iron metabolism, in the pathogenesis of polycythemia vera. The findings may have important implications for therapeutic strategies in this disease. Up next, co-stimulatory molecules regulate mechanisms of CAR T-cell dysfunction. While chronically stimulated CAR T-cells bearing a CD28 domain exhibited typical features of exhaustion, those bearing a 4-1-BB domain entered a novel state of dysfunction driven by the transcription factor FOXO3. And finally on the podcast, TREM2 is a novel receptor for IL-34, promoting differentiation of normal and leukemic myeloid cells. This could become a promising strategy to overcome AML differentiation blockade in AML patients. Our first research article is Iron Homeostasis Governs Erythroid Phenotype in Polycythemia Vera. The first author is Kevin Bennett with the Walter and Eliza Hall Institute for Medical Research in Melbourne, Australia. Polycythemia vera, or PV, is a myeloproliferative neoplasm driven by JAK2 mutations. The JAK2 V617F mutation is implicated in more than 95% of PV cases. Most others are linked to JAK2 exon 12 mutations. These activating mutations cause uncontrolled production of erythrocytes, raising hematocrit and hemoglobin, which leads to complications including thrombosis, headache, visual disturbances, and puritis. Initial therapy for PV typically includes regular phlebotomy to keep hematocrit below 45%. So why look at iron homeostasis? Most patients with PV are iron deficient, right at diagnosis. Iron is needed for hemoglobin synthesis. This need is amplified by the hyperactive erythropoiesis that is characteristic of PV, and further exacerbated by therapeutic phlebotomy, which removes iron-rich red cells. The present article focuses on hepcidin, a key player in iron homeostasis. This liver hormone regulates availability of iron for erythropoiesis by binding ferroportin, the only known cellular iron exporter. Hepcidin occludes and internalizes ferroportin, reducing dietary iron absorption and preventing iron recycling by macrophages. Thus, high hepcidin levels reduce iron availability. Conversely, low hepcidin levels can result in iron overload. The interrelationship between systemic iron metabolism and PV are intriguing from a therapeutic perspective. Preclinical data in mice show that upregulating hepcidin attenuates PV severity. And recent phase two clinical trials in PV suggest that hepcidin analogs, by withholding iron from the marrow, could ameliorate the disease phenotype and virtually eliminate the need for a phlebotomy. These findings increase interest in manipulating iron homeostasis in PV. Bennett and co-authors therefore sought to characterize the role of hepcidin regulation in PV more comprehensively. They employed an array of research methods, including database analyses, a mouse model of PV, and in vitro studies using liver cell lines and serum from PV patients. In a genome-wide association study based on 440 PV patients and more than 400,000 controls from the UK Biobank database, the authors linked disordered iron homeostasis to risk of PV diagnosis. They found that single nucleotide polymorphisms in the HFE gene known to cause hemochromatosis were strongly associated with a diagnosis of PV. 
HFE is an upstream regulator of hepcidin, and hemochromatosis-associated variants have impaired function. So, these HFE variants, by reducing hepcidin expression, may enhance the availability of iron for erythropoiesis, in turn increasing the likelihood of a PV diagnosis. Next, using a large dataset from Finland, investigators independently confirmed that homozygous variants in HFE were overrepresented in patients with PV. In a mouse bone marrow transplant model of PV driven by inducible expression of JAK2V617F, the investigators found that hepcidin levels were critical for governing the severity of PV. By deleting hepcidin in the PV mouse model, erythroid parameters increased, indicating that unrestricted access to iron leads to unrestrained increases in hematocrit and hemoglobin. By contrast, the PV phenotype was ameliorated in mice treated with an antisense oligonucleotide targeting TMPRSS6, which encodes a negative regulator of hepcidin. Researchers also explored factors that might influence hepcidin levels in PV. They first looked at erythroferone, an erythroblast-secreted hormone that is induced by erythropoietic stimuli. Erythroferone acts on the liver to suppress hepcidin production. However, in PV mice, deletion of the erythroferone gene did not alter the erythroid phenotype, suggesting that in PV, hepcidin is not regulated by expanded erythropoiesis. Instead, hepcidin in PV is likely governed by inflammatory cytokine signaling. It's previously been shown that inflammatory cytokines are elevated in PV, and hepcidin transcription is upregulated via IL-6-driven JAK-STAT signaling. In the present study, Bennett and co-authors demonstrate that JAK-STAT-regulated inflammatory response genes are upregulated in the livers of PV mice. The investigators also showed that incubation of plasma from PV patients with human hepatocyte cell lines increased their hepcidin expression. In further studies, they found that pro-inflammatory cytokines belonging to the IL-6 family, beyond IL-6 itself, contributed to increased hepcidin expression in PV. In a commentary, Domenico Girelli and Fabiana Busti of the University of Verona in Italy say this elegant data highlights the critical role of hepcidin in PV pathophysiology. Hepcidin was clearly shown to be a key driver of the severity of the PV phenotype, according to Girelli and Busti. The study confirms a strong association between known JAK2 mutations and PV, but also identifies HFE variants as a modifier of PV severity by precipitating deficiency of hepcidin. The commentary authors say this study also demonstrates a remarkable amelioration of the PV phenotype in mice by increasing hepcidin. This provides further support for the study of hepcidin mimetics, such as rusfertide, in patients with PV, for which a phase 3 trial is ongoing. But will these drugs have a place in the treatment of PV? Further studies are needed, the authors say, not only to confirm preliminary results, but also to show that there is a robust cost-effectiveness compared to the current standard of care. For now, the study by Bennett et al. in Blood provides useful new insights into the drivers of hepcidin dysregulation in PV. The study also points toward an important role of pro-inflammatory cytokines in the IL-6 family to counteract hepcidin suppression. Girelli and Busti conclude that further characterization of these cytokines in PV represents a fertile field for future research. The next research article is titled Co-Stimulatory Domains, Direct, Distinct Fates of Car-Driven T-Cell Dysfunction. The first author is Mehmet Amra Selly of the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. Chimeric antigen receptor T-cells, or CAR T-cells, targeting CD19 clearly have impressive efficacy in relapsed or refractory B-cell malignancies. 
However, durable remissions are elusive for many patients. These failures are often due to functional defects that limit CAR T-cell expansion, persistence, and cytotoxicity. So why do CAR T-cells fail? The prevailing assumption is that they become exhausted. That's because CAR T-cell defects look a lot like the features of exhaustion. That is, the cellular state when the native T-cell receptor is persistently stimulated by infection, cancer, or autoimmunity. It's thought that the persistence and function of CAR T-cells is enhanced by the incorporation of an intracellular signaling domain from one of two co-stimulatory molecules, CD28 and 41BB. There are now six CAR T-cell products approved by the FDA, two of which incorporate the CD28 domain and four incorporate 41BB. CD28 plays a central role in endogenous T-cell response, while 41BB supports the development of memory T-cells. To date, we know a lot about how these co-stimulatory domains help promote T-cell function, but not so much about their role in T-cell dysfunction related to expansion, persistence, and cytotoxicity. That leads us to the present research article by Selly and colleagues. They developed an in vitro system to chronically activate CD19-directed CAR-Ts using a CD19-positive ALL cell line. They used this model of repetitive antigen stimulation to evaluate how the co-stimulatory domains CD28 and 41BB contribute to CAR-T cell failure. The observed functional defects for both CD28 and 41BB-based CAR T-cells included loss of proliferative capacity, loss of cytotoxicity, and lack of cytokine secretion in response to re-stimulation. However, there were substantial differences at the level of transcription, epigenetics, and the multi-parameter cytometry time of flight, or CYTOF, phenotype. When the CD28-based products were subjected to chronic stimulation, classical T-cell exhaustion pathways and processes were activated. The result was CAR T-cells bearing the hallmarks of T-cell exhaustion, including higher levels of the markers LAG3, TIM3, and CTLA4. By contrast, when the 41BB-based CAR T-cells were chronically stimulated, investigators observed a distinct molecular program that was not previously associated with T-cell dysfunction. Specifically, they found that the transcription factor FOXO3 drove dysfunction in the 4-1-BB-based CAR T-cells. Single-cell RNA sequencing revealed high levels of FOXO3 activity. Overexpression of FOXO3 reduced expansion of 4-1-BB-based CAR T-cells subjected to repetitive antigen stimulation. By contrast, CD28-based CAR T-cells were not significantly affected. Furthermore, disrupting FOXO3 using CRISPR-Cas editing improved resistance to dysfunction when subjected to repeated antigen stimulation. Most of the dysfunctional 4-1-BB CAR T-cells could be characterized by a set of genes related to cytotoxicity, natural killer cell identity, and T-cell differentiation. Investigators dubbed this the TBBD signature. They were able to confirm the TBBD signature in a patient who received Tisagenlucal, a CD19-directed CAR incorporating a 4-1-BB co-stimulatory domain. That patient had lymphoma that progressed despite persistent CAR T-cells in the blood. In a commentary, Marcella V. Moss of Harvard Medical School in Boston said these findings indicate that CAR T-cells bearing CD28 or 41BB domains become dysfunctional in different ways. Moss writes that the CD28-bearing CAR T-cells become dysfunctional via the classical T-cell exhaustion programs that occur due to chronic stimulation by tumors or infections. By contrast, she says the discovery of a new molecular mechanism for 41BB-bearing CAR T-cells is remarkable. She says, quote, 
The molecular program itself and reactivation of FOXO3 is interesting and perhaps not typically found in nature. According to Moss, further research is needed to validate both FOXO3 activity and the TBBD transcriptional signature in additional patients who did not respond to treatment with CAR T-cells. She said it would also be interesting to conduct similar studies in 4-1-BB-bearing CAR T-cells specific to B-cell maturation antigen, or BCMA, that are approved in the setting of multiple myeloma. It would be important to learn whether FOXO3 activation and the TBBD signature apply to patients with myeloma that relapse despite persistent BCMA-directed CAR T-cells. Taken together, the findings described in the research article by Selly and co-authors suggest that the 4-1-BB co-stimulatory domain drives a unique CAR-driven program of dysfunction. Altogether, it shows that co-stimulatory domains are critical regulators of T-cell failure driven by CAR. In the future, investigators say, Targeted interventions will be needed to counter these dysfunctional processes that depend on co-stimulatory domains. The final article is titled, TREM2 Acts as a Receptor for IL-34 to Suppress Acute Myeloid Leukemia in Mice. The first author is Yaoling Ji of Southern Medical University in Guangzhou, China. Acute myeloid leukemia is a stem cell disease in which genetic events lead to differentiation block, resulting in the accumulation of immature cells. Despite a diverse array of AML genetic subtypes, the accumulation of undifferentiated myeloid progenitors is a common characteristic. As such, use of treatments that induce differentiation, such as retinoic acid and arsenic trioxide, represented an important breakthrough in the management of these leukemias. However, the need for additional strategies that induce AML differentiation is ongoing, as current targeted agents are associated with resistance, toxicity, and limited applicability due to the genetic heterogeneity of the disease. One promising approach to exploring factors that can promote the process of differentiation is to look at the bone marrow microenvironment. The bone marrow niche is a major reservoir of leukemic blasts and is thought to provide a protective environment for leukemic mobilization. The bone marrow microenvironment includes accessory cell types, such as skeletal cells, which support the mobilization and differentiation of leukocytes, and has been shown to play a causative role in the development of leukemias. But the mechanisms that facilitate crosstalk between the bone marrow niche and leukemic cells remain largely unexplored. In previous work, also published in Blood Journal, Xi and colleagues activated mTORC1 in osteocytes by deletion of its upstream inhibitor, tuberous sclerosis 1, or TSC1, which promoted production of neutrophils in mice via IL-19. In the present study, they report on the suppression of AML xenotransplants in mice with TSC1-deficient osteoclasts. Using mRNA profiling to find clues, they discovered that these osteoclasts released high levels of IL-34, a cytokine known to bind to the same receptor as CSF1. IL-34 plays a role in promoting the differentiation and survival of osteoclasts, macrophages, and monocytes. In the current study, the investigators used multiple preclinical mouse models of AML and found that administration of IL-34-induced differentiation of AML cells and prevented disease progression. And the opposite was true in mice with IL-34 deficiency. The development of AML was accelerated. However, IL-34 didn't work in these studies by binding to its known receptors CSF1R 
PTPRZ1, and SDC1, as shown using leukemia cell lines where these receptors had been genetically deleted. The authors next used a combination of approaches to identify the receptor involved in IL-34-mediated suppression of leukemia. They combined surface plasmon resonance with HPLC mass spec to identify potential IL-34 targets. Unexpectedly, they identified TREM2, or triggering receptor expressed on myeloid cells 2, as a target with a high score. TREM2 expression is restricted to myeloid cells in a small number of niches, and functions as a hub of pathology-induced immune signaling in the context of tissue damage or disease. Of note, the investigators showed that AML cells or normal myeloid cells lacking TREM2 exhibited resistance to the effects of IL-34 on differentiation and maturation. Mechanistic studies revealed that the binding of IL-34 to TREM2 quickly phosphorylated RAS-AL3, or RAS protein activator-like 3. Then it inactivated the ERK12 pathway, thus preventing proliferation of AML cells and stimulating differentiation. Finally, Xi and co-investigators studied patients with AML and found expression of TREM2 was decreased in bone marrow mononuclear cells from AML patients compared to healthy volunteers. Furthermore, AML patients with higher TREM2 levels had prolonged survival compared to AML patients with low levels, suggesting a clinical correlation between TREM2 expression and prognosis. Altogether, these findings demonstrate that the binding of IL-34 to TREM2 contributes to myeloid differentiation. The authors also say these interactions also reshape the properties of AML and limit propagation of leukemic cells, thus suggesting a potential role for IL-34 in the treatment of the disease. A commentary on this research article was submitted by Nainita Roy and Christopher Y. Park of New York University Grossman School of Medicine. Roy and Park said these findings illustrate a novel role for IL-34 in promoting myeloid leukemia differentiation via TREM2 which was previously unrecognized as a receptor for IL-34. They also said that the IL-34-TREM2 signaling axis represents a promising target for the development of novel therapies that induce differentiation in AML. First, however, several remaining questions regarding the targeting of this pathway need to be addressed. It would be important to determine the sources of IL-34 in AML patients. And although Xi et al. demonstrated that IL-34 reduced AML clonogenicity, they reported no experiments testing the effects of IL-34 on leukemia stem cells. The long-term safety of IL-34 treatment would also need to be addressed. In this study, the treatment periods were short, lasting 14 to 21 days. And the efficacy of IL-34 may be limited upon prolonged treatment via signal attenuation either through downregulation of the receptor or negative signaling feedback mechanisms. However, the commentary authors say, the available data is notable for the comprehensive evaluation of IL-34 function, the identification of a novel IL-34 receptor, and exciting proof-of-concept studies suggesting that IL-34-based treatment may be promising in AML. Ultimately, clinical trials will be needed to determine the utility of incorporating IL-34 or other TREM2 targeting strategies into frontline or maintenance treatment approaches in AML. You have been listening to The Blood Podcast. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.